This is Cliff Mass, and welcome to my weather podcast. Each week, I talk about current weather, provide a forecast for the weekend and beyond, and give you more details about an interesting weather phenomenon. It's Friday, February 19th, and let's talk about the weather. And I have some interesting weather ahead. No big snowstorms here in the lowlands, but a super rain shadow, which will really knock your socks off. Well, let's begin with today. Uh, There's just a few showers floating around. We had a weak front that went through last night. The temperatures are in the upper 30s and 40s in western Washington, in the 20s in eastern Washington. Just a few showers in the west. So nothing very exciting. Maybe a few sun breaks today in the West. But tomorrow and the weekend, something more interesting occurs. We're going to start developing strong flow from the West. And that flow is almost oriented East-West. And that is going to produce enhanced precipitation on the western side of the mountains, the western side of the coastal mountains like the Olympics, and the western side of the Cascades. And Puget Sound and areas extending up to the San Juans are going to be in a profound rain shadow. So let's talk about Saturday. Saturday, when we start developing this kind of pattern, um, the winds will start picking up a little bit from the south, And Seattle will be partly cloudy, but there'll be enough showers around that we will get shower activity on the western slopes of the mountains. So if you're going to go skiing or hiking, you'll notice it. There'll be snow showers in the mountains, but nothing too severe. But things change late Saturday night into Sunday. The flow is going to get much stronger from the west. And so the upslope on the western side of the mountains will be enhanced, and the downslope into the rain shadow areas will get stronger. And so on Sunday, we're going to have this strong flow coming in from from the west, and associated with that will be a strong north-south pressure difference in Puget Sound. So the southerly winds will really pick up. They could go up to 30, 40 miles per hour in places. So it's going to get windy in the lowlands on Sunday but it could be extremely dry, while at the same time, the mountains are going to get hit quite hard. Now, there's going to be plenty of moisture because there's going to be an atmospheric river that's coming off the Pacific. I've talked about atmospheric rivers before. That's when we get these plumes of moisture coming up from the tropics and subtropics that come into our area. Well, that's going to happen on Sunday. There's going to be this plume of moisture coming in. And when the air rises on the western slopes of the Olympics, it'll dump a lot of precipitation. Then then the air sinks down over Puget Sound and parts of northwest Washington. It'll dry out. But then as it rises in the Cascades, it'll get wet again. So there's going to be extreme differences between Puget Sound, where it'll be mainly dry, and the mountains, which are going to get hit really hard. Now, there's another issue here, and that is these atmospheric rivers tend to be kind of warm. And so the freezing level is going to come up. So in the mountains, there'll be snow on Saturday. But on Sunday, as this flow increases and the warmth increases from the atmospheric river, we'll see the freezing level rise and the snow level will rise with it. So I think on Sunday, we'll start off with snow down into the passes. But as we get later on Sunday, the freezing level is going to rise and the snow level could go up to 3,500, 4,000 feet. 
and maybe even a little higher than that. And so lower passes could very well turn to rain. So it could be kind of messy. So a lot of precipitation and rain. Of course, there's worry about avalanches. So that's something to be concerned about. This atmospheric river will move out on Monday, but then very, very rapidly on Tuesday and Wednesday, we could get into another situation with strong flow coming in and heavy precipitation in the mountains. But in this case, it'll be much cooler. And I'm looking forward to a lot of snow in the mountains next week. So it's going to be a very active pattern and it's something that everybody has to be watching. If you're here in the lowlands, it's not it's going to be pretty benign. But if you go up into the mountains, there could be heavy precipitation, which could mess up the passes and cause avalanches and all kinds of other issues. Well, enjoy the weather. I'll be watching it carefully over the weekend. Weather doesn't end with the forecast. Now let's talk about the special weather topic of the week. Welcome to the second segment of my podcast. Well, if you look at any of the media, you are seeing the headlines about the cold waves in the central part of the United States and about the terrible record cold that's hit Texas and adjacent states. Now, what really bothers me is some of the headlines in the media. A number of them are suggesting that the cold wave that Texas is seeing right now is somehow associated with global warming. Now, this is not sort of small media. We're talking about New York Times, the top of the page in the Seattle Times, Bloomberg News, you name it. They're saying the same thing, that extreme cold waves are associated with global warming. And as the planet warms up, as greenhouse gases increase, we'll see more cold waves and more intense cold waves. The trouble with all this is that if you know the real science, if you've looked at the real observations, it's simply not true. And that's what I want to talk about in this blog. Now, what what I want to start with is some of the observations, some of the observational record that we have for the last 50 or 100 years. Now, global warming has certainly been occurring, and the most profound effects, the strongest effects, are probably starting around 1980, something like that. You know, we've we started putting enough greenhouse gases into the atmosphere to cause the planet to warm up. And so you would expect that if greenhouse, if, if global warming is causing more cold waves, we'd see some already. Well, the evidence is just the opposite. We're seeing fewer and fewer cold waves. Well, you don't have to believe me. You can go to the US EPA has a, has a website that's dedicated to extreme weather. Just do a search on Google. You'll, you'll see it right away. And if you, you can pull up a plot, I have that on my blog from a few days ago, the area in the four, lower 48 states with unusually cold temperatures. Well, it's going down not going up. And it's been going down precipitously during the last several decades. They also have a very nice map that shows you where the trends are going up and down for cold waves. And virtually no place, almost no place, are cold waves going up or are increasing in intensity or frequency. Uh, but in the Western United States, it the cold waves are becoming rarer and rarer. And that's certainly true of anybody living in Seattle. Everybody knows that it used to be much colder 
back decades ago. Anyway, if you even look at Texas, where are the trends? Southern part of Texas, coal waves are getting less frequent. Now, let's just turn to Texas, since Texas is is what everybody's talking about. You can go to the NOAA Climate, uh, the National Climatic Data Center has a wonderful website in which you can plot temperatures, and you can plot temperatures for a state. And what I did is I just plotted the minimum temperatures over Texas since 1895. And that plots in my blog as well. And if you look at the minimum temperatures, and these are the minimum temperatures for February, since that's the month we're in, you'll see that we are getting down to low temperatures in February, much less frequently in Texas during the last several decades than it was earlier in the 20th century. So coal waves in Texas are becoming less frequent. And you can go look at individual sites. Climate Central did a really nice study where they they looked at the extreme cold temperatures at, at cities all over the United States. And I plotted up Dallas, Fort Worth, but you can plot anybody, any any place you want, and you will see that the excursions to low temperatures have become less frequent, and cold waves have become weaker. So the observa- observational evidence is very clear. As the planet has been warming up the last several decades, cold waves in the central United States have become less frequent. I mean, it's busted, or at least their claims are busted. And I should note that climate simulations, and I do climate simulations, if you look at climate models and you see what they forecast for minimum temperatures, they are going for less extreme cold as the planet warms up. The models show that as well. So observations show that, models show that. So there is really nothing to this. Now, the fact that coal waves are getting less frequent in the central United States, and in Texas in particular, that shouldn't surprise anybody. If we look at how the planet has warmed during the last 50 years, and let's look at that for the winter, that's what we care about, you'll see that uh, first the, the northern hemisphere is definitely warming up. Everybody knows that. But it's not, it's not the same everywhere. The Arctic is warming up much more quickly than, uh, than the mid-latitudes, and the oceans are warming up less, less quickly than the, than the land. Now, the fact the Arctic is warming up more rapidly, that doesn't surprise anybody who knows about the science. For instance, the Arctic has a lot of sea ice, which is very sensitive to temperature, and as, as temperatures warm up, you have less sea ice. Sea ice reflects solar radiation to space, so it tends to cause warming when you when you lose sea ice and you get a positive feedback loop as you have less ice there's more warming then you get even more the ice melts even more and so it revs up there are other reasons but the fact of the matter is the arctic is warming up more rapidly than any place else now where do you think the temp the cold air comes from in the central united states during cold waves it's from the canadian arctic And in fact, in this cold wave and virtually every other major cold wave, you can see the same pattern. Cold air that's formed over the the vast Arctic uh, reaches of ice and snow moves southward into the middle of the country, associated with an amplified wave pattern that 
that allows northerly winds to bring cold air down in, in the middle of the United States. So if the Arctic is warming up preferentially from global warming, that's bad for business for cold waves. The source of the cold air is warming rapidly. No wonder that's happening. No wonder we're getting less cold waves. Now, there is another theory that some of the media likes that has pretty much been disproven. And that is the theory that the jet stream becomes wavier or lazy. They keep them called the lazy jet stream as, as global warming occurs. And this lazy jet stream well, will tend to have more ups and downs, more waviness, and tend to bring cold air down more. Well, there were some early studies about this, and which made these claims, but there were flaws in these studies. And later work in which this was done, the analysis was done properly to see if the, if the jet stream has become wavier has shown that the jet stream has not become wavier. So that, that theory has been busted as well. So in the end here, let me make it clear, a lot of these headlines and claims that you're going to see more cold waves under global warming are without basis. It's inconsistent with observations, it's inconsistent with modeling. It's, un, it's, it's inconsistent with our studies. And those who are, who are communicating this are really doing a disservice. And what gets me really upset, be honest with you, is the fact so much of the media is providing false information about this. It's extremely disturbing, and I don't know what to do about it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Feel free to send me your questions or any topics you would like me to cover. This podcast will be available every Friday morning on my blog and major podcast platforms. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to use the Patreon link on my blog. See you next time.